you need to first say, okay, Father, I'm concerned. What do I do? And then ask for guidance because the battle is beyond our abilities. And while we as baptized believers in Jesus have Christ's authority, we must exercise this authority as Jesus did on earth. We must move in obedience to the Father's direction. This is Charisma Connection on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Chris Johnson. Today we continue our special series on healing the soul of America and the West. Our sponsor is the Presbyterian Reformed Ministries International, or PRMI for short. And we've had a couple of different guests in this series, so we hope you'll go back and listen to the last two. And now we continue with Reverend Dr. James Carney. Dr. Carney has pastored Presbyterian congregations in Seattle, Knoxville, Tennessee, and Atlanta for the past 20 years. And he now works full-time with PRMI, developing the Dunamis Ministry for application in local congregations, and that's to equip believers to further God's kingdom through the Spirit. And he is also helping to create a new podcast, The Missing Piece, aimed at helping the present generation of Christian leaders to pass the baton of leadership on to the next. So, Dr. Carney, welcome to Charisma Connection. Thank you. I'm very glad to be here, Chris. And today we continue Healing the Soul of America and the West, part three today, and let's dig into the topic of spiritual warfare. Now, when we hear that term bantered about, some may not understand what that even means. I mean, it's kind of a strange term, right? So can you give us the basics before we delve deeper into the subject? Sure. Spiritual warfare is strange to modern ears just because it's a very anti-modern concept. The modern concept, there's just human beings and that's it. Uh, there's no angels, demons, um, and there's uh, that's kind of a mythology, a pre-modern mythology. But it is biblical. You see that in the Bible and you see Jesus engaged in it. You see the Old Testament prophets like Daniel engaged in it with his fight against powers and principalities. You hear Paul teaching about it. And then if you uh, begin to apply it to the data in your life, if you're starting to engage in furthering the kingdom, you'll actually begin to experience it as well. So it's very real and it's very important if we wish to advance God's kingdom. Well, that really makes sense that today we just, you know, we live with almost a postmodern mindset, I guess you might say, that we don't even think about angels and demons. So that makes perfect sense. So we also often hear about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, Mm -hmm. but there's also a kingdom of darkness, and that's where the warfare comes in. Mm -hmm. So how do these two kingdoms come into conflict? Well, uh, uh, when we talk about spiritual warfare, we're talking about two kingdoms that are in conflict. Um, We have the kingdom of God and we have the kingdom of Satan. Now, originally, there was just one kingdom. It was the kingdom of God until Satan, who was originally a high-ranking angel, decided that he wanted to be God. And so he started a rebellion This spread to other angels. And then once God created human beings, Satan um, started working with human beings to influence them as well. So when you have the kingdom of God, you have human beings. You also have these levels of angels above them all the way up to Jesus, who is the king, and you have angels that are uh, assisting human beings, but you all have, also have angels of 
countries and of uh, areas of the world. And then you also have angels which are over structures of reality like governments or ph philosophical systems. These are called the stoke or elementals. Um, exousia are authorities over governments. And on the other side, you have Satan's kingdom where he has uh, uh, corrupted these same high-ranking beings over governments and over philosophies and religions in order to come in conflict with God. So you've got the kingdom of God on one side, you have the kingdom of Satan on the other. They're in conflict and they are both fighting over human beings in order to influence them into their kingdom. Well, where do we see in Scripture where there's you know, these sort of regional angels or functional angels? Well, uh, there's a couple of places. One in the book of Colossians where Paul talks about the elementals. That's where he's talking about the Stoicase, uh, Colossians 2.20, where there are fundamental structures of reality that are established by God, but uh, in some ways have been corrupted by Satan. With over governments, you can see uh, Daniel is a good expression of that, where you have the Prince of Persia, which is coming against uh, Michael, the archangel, who is coming to help Daniel. Um, also in Isaiah 14, you will have the Prince of Tyre, and then you have the King of Tyre, and you have this, this spiritual being that is over the physical being, over the human being, that is influencing him and influencing the country. So this is, and, and also with Paul in Ephesians, where he said our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and principalities, uh, the rulers of this present darkness. He said against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So he's starting to talk about various levels uh, of angels and also of demons. Mm -hmm. Well, sometimes we can kind of scan over that scripture and we don't even think about the different levels of angels. Yeah. And I understand there's also different levels of spiritual warfare. How do we practice high-level versus individual-level spiritual warfare? And are you referring to the corporate nature of warfare as opposed to the personal when you talk about high-level? Sure. That's a very good way of putting it. Often our churches talk about sin and our spiritual battle on an individual level. We talk about our individual soul. We talk about angels and demons that are trying to assist us or are trying to tempt us. And it's just us. But there is this other level that we're talking about today, which is a more corporate level, which is where there is a battle going on, not just for us as individuals, but for our communities, for our families, for our churches, and for our nations. That is what we're talking about today. Well, in this series, we're talking about the soul of America and the West. You know, when we start talking about the personal nature of salvation or spiritual warfare, it just reminds me that we're all Americans and we're very individualistic instead of corporate, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah that's very true. In fact, individualism is an actual characteristic of the American personality so that you can uh, it's a characteristic of our soul. And literally speaking, America doesn't have a soul. Um, it, it doesn't have a, a life of its own. But it's a way of expressing the fact that there is uh, characteristics to our national identity. And some of them are good, such as, you know, there's a, a strong work ethic. Uh, there's a strong um, 
tradition of volunteerism. Uh, there's a lot of generosity in our country. There's also the rule of order, of law and order, which is very strong in our national identity. There's also a real characteristic of innovation within our country as well, and the, country, the world looks to it. But there are fallen dimensions to it as well, um, and of, of narcissism or of individualism, where we, we, we don't help each other, we just try to be alone in our own world. And it's in this level that we're really talking about that Satan is active in trying to corrupt our nation as a whole. And that's why I use the word soul. Well, I think there's another word that needs to be defined when we think of spiritual warfare. And it's a term in the scriptures that throws a lot of people off today. And that is stronghold. What exactly is a stronghold? Right. This comes from 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, where Paul says, though we walk in the flesh, We are not waging war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So it's Paul that we're really getting a lot of the specific understanding of strongholds um, and waging war. So a stronghold is a military term, and it means a place that's been fortified as a defense against attack. Ancient cities would have a tower where the soldiers had their base. Uh, It was built strong and big. It was usually the highest place in the city, so it was best defended. And this is actually a a good thing. Um, If you see strongholds in the the Psalms, for example, the psalmist will call God their stronghold, meaning that in time of trouble, we'll go to God as a safe place that will keep us protected uh, in this stronghold. Uh, in terms of strongholds here, I'm talking about something that are systems of ideas that can either be, that are designed to be godly, like the kingdom of God, uh, or the, a stronghold of a, of a good, strong family, or of a strong community. But they can be corrupted by Satan, so you, they can actually become a defendable place where you have this strong lie, or you have this, this lie that has been built up. And that's what Paul is talking about destroying. When he talks about arguments and every lofty opinion, he's talking about destroying these entrenched ideas that are best seen as a stronghold. Well, how do we get rid of strongholds? Like, how are they dismantled? Well, let me first talk a little bit about the anatomy of a stronghold, uh, of a demonic stronghold. Um, So at the core, you have a foundational deception. And that's right at the heart of a stronghold, where Satan will plant a lie in a human heart like a farmer plants a seed. He will deceive an individual, and he will convince him that this particular lie is the truth, and it's a very important truth, and it's one they should give their lives to spreading and establishing. Um, You could see Hitler with National Socialism, or you could see Marx with Marxism, you know, or Lenin uh, with his idea of communism. Uh, or you could see it in our nation, let's say, um, the, the whole abortion industry. It began with a person who was saying that this is a good thing, that we need to provide this. So that's where it begins. Then a re- that person then goes with this good news, quote unquote, and gathers a small group of disciples, which is called a creative minority. And this creative minority become the leaders that are influenced by evil spirits, just like this, this leader is. And they then start developing this idea, and then they recruit, uh, they start developing uh, means to enslave other people within the deception, so that they start 
getting followers, they start getting organized, they start having tenants, they start trying to change the laws of the country to allow what they do. They might get educational institutions, they, they could get an army. And then over all of this, they will put demonic cloaking. And over this, over the stronghold, they will usually put a lie to represent what it is to cover up what Satan is really doing. And this is where it really gets devious because, again, they will have an advertising department within the stronghold to communicate what a good thing it is they're doing, but usually it's misdirection. So let's say um, the abortion industry. It's not called the abortion industry, you know, as a stronghold. We have a stronghold of abortion in our country, but it's called pro-choice, right? Meaning, no, Mm -hmm. it's not about killing babies. This is all about empowering women. This is all about giving women a control over their body. Right. This is but but that's misdirection. That's demonic cloaking. Uh, The real thing is the the death of the babies that's going on. So that's a little bit of the the anatomy of the stronghold. We need to understand that so that we can begin to uh, systematically approach it and dismantle it. So the deception fully develops. And then if we want to get rid of these strongholds, what do we do then? Okay. Well, the first thing is, is that you need to look at Jesus's model. And the first thing you need to do is you submit yourself, uh, your efforts to the Father. So if you have this, this strong call of saying, okay, this is wrong, if it's, you know, the abortion industry or, or let's say gay marriage or, or even unbelief of secular humanism, or what we're talking about now is kind of a Marxist-shaped organization with, that is calling our country racist and trying to tear it down. You need to first say, okay, Father, I'm concerned. What do I do? And then ask for guidance because the battle is beyond our abilities. And while we as baptized believers in Jesus have Christ's authority, we must exercise his authority as Jesus did on earth. We must move in obedience to the Father's direction. So if we feel that we're getting the go-ahead from God, that we're feeling, boy, I think God wants me to be involved in this, then you assemble a team. You don't want to do this alone. The team will watch your back from counterattacks because if you get involved in this battle, they will be counterattacks. Um, the team will also provide you with a greater number of gifts for battle, gifts of discernment, words of knowledge, of wisdom, of others. You will also have interceders. You need to have intercessors that are up on the mountain, just like Moses was interceding when Joshua battled the Amalekites down in the valley. You need to have intercessors, so you need a team. Okay, so that's, that's the very beginning. And then, you, then we have some specific tactics. Well, there really is a corporate nature to this, isn't there? There is. And it's also exciting because you'll find other people, you'll ask other, God, you know, are there other people that are, are excited about or, you know, want to get involved in this battle? And it's energizing. It's scary. Mm-hmm. It's um, risky. Uh, but it engages your faith where suddenly the Bible becomes much more real. You start looking at the Psalms where they talk about all these different battle metaphors and tearing down enemies and that sort of thing. Suddenly you go, okay, this is no longer a metaphor. I am actually engaged in a battle against these powers and principalities. It's the real deal. It's the real deal. So the Bible goes from being true to literally true or actually true, to put it in millennial Mm -hmm. talk. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as we put it into practice. Exactly. So I understand you have a teaching about three battle spaces, and that sounds yeah. intriguing. So what are those three spaces, and why are they significant? Sure. So a battle space is a term 
that comes again from the military. It, you don't find it in scripture. It's just a helpful term. Mm-hmm. It includes the total area and conditions relevant to the success of a mission. And if our mission here is tearing down a satanic stronghold and build a godly one in its place, we need to understand that there's three battle, basic battle spaces that God can call us to engage. Uh, so if you can think of this as a, as a pyramid, at the base of the pyramid will be, that's battle space three. And that is the personal level. That's individuals that are affected by the demonic. They may not know that. Often they don't know that they are. But these are the sort of the rank and file. These are the, the soldiers. Um, these are the people involved in the organizations that are carrying out this. They could be the workers for Planned Parenthood or the school counselors that are, you know, advising people go to, to get abortions or that kind of thing if it's in that industry. Or this could be the people protesting or marching for uh, BLM.org, the Black Lives Matter organization. Mm-hmm. So that's the individuals. Now, in the middle is battle space two, and that's the corporate level. And this is where you have a human demonic interface. This is where you're getting higher up in terms of the battle, where you have demonized individuals that are actually leading the, the, the movement. So this would be the creative minority. This would be the, the head of the foundation, foundational deception uh, of the stronghold. So this is, this is both demons and, and humans. And uh, what you're trying to do here is that you're trying to, trying to win them for Christ, just like in the battle space three, but you're also trying to separate the demons from the people. So you might pray that the demons will no longer be able to speak to these people. Uh, this was so that they no longer are getting direction from the demons. Uh, this was something that Reese Howell, who was an intercessor in World War II, prayed about Hitler. He actually mm-hmm. prayed specifically that the demons speaking to Hitler would no longer be able to communicate, communicate to him. And the generals, uh, the German generals actually record a moment when Hitler no longer was able to hear from his spirits. He said, I'm no longer able to, to hear from my guides. And at that point, he began making very bad decisions because he no longer was receiving intelligence from these spirits. So that's battle space two. Battle space one is at the very top of the pyramid, and this is where we are engaging with the demons themselves, the high-level demonic beings that are in charge of energizing this stronghold. This is a very dangerous place to engage, and we should only engage in it if we feel directed by God the Father, and we come in as a team where we have intercessors that are praying for us, and we also have a team that's watching our back. Uh, But these are the three battle spaces, uh, one, two, and three. It's very helpful to think of it that way and to kind of get the lay of the land. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So why is it important that we talk about spiritual warfare and strongholds at this particular time in our nation's history and in the church? Well, it's because in terms of what is going on, uh, the ba- there really is a battle going on now in our country and for the direction of our country. God's purposes, God has a purpose for our country. And there has been a lot of ways in which the battle has been going on at an organizational level that the church is not engaged in or the church has cooperated with. If you look at... Um, let's say, the school materials, the the, the teaching materials that are now in our schools, for example. 
there is a in, in Washington State. That's where I am here, up in Seattle. There's a, a curriculum that is talking about human sexuality that teaches the how normal it is for kids to have fluid genders and for gay marriage. That is going to begin with kindergarten. They're talking about passing this mm. uh, in the legislature to go out to all the public schools in all the state of Washington. Okay, that is an area where there is a corporate dimension of the kingdom of Satan trying to advance his kingdom. We need to be able to fight back. But to get to a more hopeful view, uh, it's not just tearing down the strongholds of Satan. It, it's establishing strong, godly strongholds. Uh, we see this, let's say, with our foundational documents of our country, with the Declaration of Independence and our Constitution. Those are both, in a, lot, in a large part, godly strongholds where we have a biblical worldview which has been established as the founding documents for our country's system of government. You know, that is something that actually, that's, those are the, that's what these organizations are trying to tear down now. The ones, we say that the Black Lives Matter organization, not Black Lives Matter, but Black Lives, the BLM.org is a Marxist organization. Uh, they are, and, and their goal is to tear down this godly stronghold of the Constitution so that they can establish a Marxist oppressive system, which for them is going to bring freedom. And they're doing it with demonstrations. They're doing that with advertising out on YouTube. They're doing it with getting tremendous funds to try to put out their good news, quote unquote. This is a battle which we need as Americans, as, as Christians, to be engaged in as the Father directs so that God's purposes for our country can be realized. And they are best realized through the establishment of the kingdom of God. That doesn't mean we're a Christian nation, but it does mean that the truth of who God has created us to be is best expressed through the kingdom. Uh, if you want to see a, a great example of that, look at Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial in August of 1963. He gave this very biblical-based speech that was invoked the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence uh, in terms of calling for civil rights, for the establishment of the law in a way where African Americans would have equality in the eyes of the law. And he did it very peacefully. This was a godly vision for our country to be a place where diversity would build us up and not tear us down. This is the call that we have as Christians to engage in a warfare that is raging and the tools that we're developing here at PRMI are to, designed to equip biblical believers to be able to better fight, to get into the fight, and to establish God's purposes for our country at its time. So how does an understanding of all of these matters bring it together for us? How does it help mm -hmm. us heal the soul of America and the West? Well, uh, I think the gospel really is the answer to the world's problems. And in this particular uh, issues that are going on today, we're talking about the healing of the soul. In particular, we're talking about the, the, the wounds of racism that come from the 400 years of slavery. They are continued effects of that. If you talk to any person, any African-American, they'll, they'll talk to you about their experience in America as one that often is not safe. Um, because of the treatment of the by the police uh, in the justice system, 
sometimes just walking into a store and having people look at you. I mean, Jim Logan, uh, in the past podcast, he was talking to me about how he's a bishop in the church, but he's black. And when he walks into a store, he is often followed by the store detective until he leaves. That's unjust. How do we as Christians use our faith to address the, the very real hurts that, continue, that linger in our country in order to heal them so that we can progress to fulfill God's purposes for our country? Where, as Martin Luther King said, people are not judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. The gospel takes seriously sin and the effects of sin, and then it provides the solution with Jesus Christ and then the tools of forgiveness, the, uh, the, the Holy Spirit, which creates bonds of connection. And uh, we as Christians have this answer. How do we engage that for healing our country so that we can be what God has created us to be? We can live in fullness of life, life abundant. Well, there's a lot to this, isn't there? But I mean, a lot of it is really basic Christianity if we get to living out the scriptures. That's exactly it. This is this is not high pollutant stuff. We're talking about the simple gospel, you know, confession of sin, uh, asking forgiveness. What are the obstacles to that? Where is Satan trying to tempt us, and how do we overcome those temptations? How do we proclaim the truth of of God's word uh, in a public setting? Well, as we close, Dr. Carney, would you like to pray for our listeners that we would begin to practice these things if we have not? Yeah. So, Heavenly Father, right now, I, I pray a blessing right now on those that are hearing. And if any of, any of you that are listening or sensing that you're in a fog and you're struggling to make sense about what I've just been talking about, right now I come against any spirits that might be attempting to block your understanding and bring confusion. And I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would give us clarity into how you have equipped us and uh, called us into this battle. Um, how you, what is your individual call for us? And I pray um, the words that you gave to Joshua, to be strong and courageous, for you have called us to take the land. And this is to be, and to be agents of great blessing. I pray right now a holy confidence, not in ourselves, but in the God who we serve, in Jesus Christ, the great commander of our forces, the one who has all authority in heaven and earth. Show us how we can exercise that authority so that we can heal the soul of our country. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Dr. James Carney. Would you give us the website where we can get more information? Sure. Uh, the first place to go would be PRMI dot o-r-g p-r-m-i dot org and this is the home page for uh, the ministry that i'm a part of uh, and then you can learn more about it there so go there p-r-m-i dot org and that stands for presbyterian reformed ministries international reverend dr yes. james carney has been part of this ministry for a while now right i have i I first started employing these materials a number of years ago at my church in downtown Seattle because I needed more oomph to bring the kingdom. And then uh, God called me away from the church and to go full-time with PRMI to develop these materials for churches and small groups. 
and it has been a, an exciting and a wild ride. <laughs> well, no doubt. Well, thank you so much for being with us today on Charisma Connection, and we have uh, not yet concluded the series, but our series is on Healing the Soul of America and the West. This is the third part. We have one more with you, Dr. Carney, and we're so happy to uh, have this teaching that you've uh, you've clearly worked on this through the years, and you've just made it so accessible to our listeners. You've made it so accessible to Christians, and I'm sure that they're going to want to learn how to apply it even more. So thank you so much for being Absolutely. with us today. All right. Well, God bless you, Chris, and your ministry, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. I'm Chris Johnson. You've been listening to Charisma Connection, and be sure to go online to cpnshows.com and take a look at all of our shows there on our network. We have well over 100 now, and if you just need something to listen to, you can surely find it there. And be sure to check out Green Lines, as well as Strang Report and God Trump and the 2020 election. cpnshows.com This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible. 